great, great course. You can be seated. Thank you so much, Walter, Allison. Thank y'all. Well, Scott, here we are, my friend. How old are you, Scott? I'll be 54 next Sunday. Well, you don't look bad. No. And how long have you been gone from here? Uh, going on six years. It's been going on six years. That's amazing. It seems just like the other day they were here. And how long were you all at, at Redland? 11, 12 years? 13. 13 years, yeah. And I told you, we met a little bit earlier, and I told Scott what I told you guys last Sunday about their faithfulness to church attendance. And, and they were the real deal. What he told me they were going to do, they did. Um, I don't want to lose this, but I, I have, most deacons don't realize this, but I keep deacons. Now, now, we're ordaining him into the ministry. That's different. That's what we're doing today, okay? Deacon ordination is an ordination, but it's different. This is your deacon ordination questionnaire. I keep all these. So uh, I have, every man that's been ordained, I have their questionnaire. I don't want you to forget that. You don't have to come get it, but I'm going to set it right here. Uh, But anyway, it's just interesting. I've been reading it. And uh, so anyway, your Bible's open. Let's start at the book of Acts. What I want to do this morning is really this is a message, not just to Scott and Amanda, but this is a message to the church, the body of Christ. Um, and to Scott and Amanda. Amanda, I will tell you, there are numerous men not in the ministry because of their wives. Let me say that again. And I'm in a small world. I'm just a country bumpkin. I know that. But even in my little world of my ministry of dealing with people, there are, there are dozens of people I could name in my lifetime that the reason they're not in the ministry is because their wives are a fruitcake. Okay? And they don't support the ministry, right? You support the ministry and you're not a fruitcake, so congratulations. Uh, There's another reason why uh, ministers don't go into the ministry, and that's because they love money. Um, I can't tell you how many people have, have chosen secular careers over responding to the call of the gospel. It happens all the time. This is a serious call. Uh, This is greater than the call to be deacon. This is a call that you're telling the church that God has, in an unusual way, spoken to you and has called you to serve the local church. It's uh, a deacon earns that position. When you read about the qualifications, this. So they earn it and people recognize that. This is a supernatural call that people then recognize. I want to read to you out of Acts. Thir- I'm sorry, Acts is a big book, isn't it? I didn't say Acts 13. Did I tell you what chapter? Yeah. Couldn't guess that, could you? Acts chapter 13. This is, this is Paul's commission after he had gotten saved, the events of Damascus. He's at Antioch of Syria. There's two Antiochs. Antioch of Syria, and there's another Antioch over in Asia called Antioch Pisidia. This is Antioch on the coast of Syria. You can see it on a, a Bible map today. This is where the church that he's in, and this is the church that, that knows God's called him. They know he's called to be an apostle. And let's listen to what, what the Word of God says. Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. 
now there were in the church, okay? So who's going to recognize somebody who's called into the ministry? Is it going to be your next door neighbor or a bunch of buddies that live out of the state? No. Who's going to recognize the called people that are called into the ministry? Who is it? It's the church, okay? And who's going to ordain somebody into the ministry? It's going to be the church, right? Uh, that's a lost art. We, we don't vet. We don't vet people like we used to. Uh, we've already had four names sign his ordination certificate. And, and one of the reasons we signed that, or, or the fact that we've signed that, is that we are saying on that ordination certificate, we'll hold Scott accountable. So if Scott loses his mind, he should hear from the five people whose names will be on that ordination certificate. Because it's a serious call. If he becomes a heretic, he ought to hear from us. So Paul says, <clears throat> so, in the, so to the church at Antioch, prophets, they were in that church, prophets, and that's really not just prediction, that, that's proclaiming a prophetic word. <clears throat> uh, and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who were Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, or Paul. <clears throat> While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, often you'll see the Word of God spoke, or the Holy Spirit spoke. Well, here, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart, this is what's happening to Scott and Amanda today. Set apart for me, okay, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Now, I want you to think about what we're doing. We, as a church, and Scott having lived with us as part of our body for all of those years, we, we saw him grow. And through his maturation, that's exactly what the Bible says, we, we, we recognize that leadership and he was ordained as a deacon. Today he has told us, and really he told us five years ago, he felt the call into ministry. We're responding to that. And so we are prayerfully acknowledging the Lord's call on his life. And we believe that God has equipped him and that God has appointed him to be an overseer of the ministries in the church. That's what it means uh, when you read the New Testament. You see these words, overseer, bishop, pastor, teacher. Uh, so we, we recognize that in Him to lead the church and to protect the body of Christ. Just three simple things and then we'll go to another passage. By the way, you got, I got good news. I got a bigger clock. You know what that means? Nothing. There is, just thinking biblically now, there is an appointment. Um, that's where we get the idea of the word ordain. Um, it's an appointment. Um, it's an acknowledgement that we're saying, uh, and Paul mentions to Timothy by the laying on of hands, it's a group of men, a group of men, in the Bible, a group of men recognize God's call on a man, and they lay hands on that man. The church affirms it, but men lay hands on somebody. And so there's an appointment 
uh, there's an, an ordination. I brought bottled water. I'm not even drinking it. Thank you, babe. So there's an appointment right here in, Act, in Acts 13. There's an affirmation. The church says, hey, we believe this to be so. And if you read the rest of the book of Acts, they send. Think about that. The church sends Paul and Barnabas on a, on a missionary journey. By the way, they do it three times. And every time Paul makes the circuit and he comes back. And you know where he lands each time? He comes back to the church at Antioch and gives a report. Isn't that awesome? So this church not only appointed him, but they acknowledged his ministry to this. And that's what we're doing. So in just a few moments, we will officially ordain him. But also we're recognizing that we're affirming that God's called Scott into the ministry. Those of you who came to our... Uh, our uh, Valentine steak dinner. We had Scott come and share a little testimony and again affirming the call. Five or six years ago, we had a council that met with him and questioned him, talking about the call of the ministry. And here's the thing for, I think about for Scott, just in the passage, as you read, uh, obviously Barnabas and Saul were available. We were just saying about that. Scott's available. A lot of people... God speaks to them, but they don't respond. They do not seem to be available to the call, being called into the ministry. It's a serious responsibility. We go from Acts to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Now here's where you, you might hear something that you've really never thought about, um, about the ministry. So I'm in the book of Acts, I'm in the book of Ephesians, and if you don't mind, I am going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And we're going to read, I think, down through verse 12 or 13. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now again, this just isn't a, a, pastor's, this isn't a pastor's message. It's a, church, it's a Christian message. Everybody who's ever been saved has a responsibility to walk worthy of the name of Christ. But we're going to get to pastors in a minute. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That means there's a lot that churches have in common. There's, there's a lot that all believers, obviously there's a unity because we have all this in common. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But grace was given, so that's the big picture, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, it's not time to talk about this, but just simply what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus is that everybody in this room, if you're saved, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, but not only were you sealed 
by the Holy Spirit of God as an engagement ring, if you want to use the text, as he gave you a down payment by telling you, yes, you're saved, here's the Holy Spirit, but that Spirit gifts you their spiritual gifts, and it's God's grace. That means it's a gift. That's why we call them spiritual gifts. You don't earn them. It's not just because you uh, have you have talents that God chooses to give. He gives you spiritual gifts. He chooses that. The grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, just historically, he's he's using some words from the Roman world because when you know the Lord ascended. Well, let's read it. Look, he says. Therefore, it says. <clears throat> When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, talking about Christ ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now, a lot of words Paul uses there, but just briefly, in the Roman world, when a, when a Roman army would conquer a town, a city, a providence, they would march the victims of their victory in a, in a, a victory. They would march them back to Rome, so to speak, as slaves to Rome. They would also take all of their riches and they would distribute that among the people of Rome. And that's kind of the picture that Paul said, Christ has won the victory. And now symbolically, now that he ascended to... And he tells, he tells us this in John 14. If I go away, he can come. Remember what he says? But if I don't go away, I can't send him. But yet he ascends to the Father. And what Christ does is he distributes spiritual gifts to all those of us that are saved. And so that's what the Apostle Paul's talking about. So all of us that are here today that are born again, God has supernaturally given us at least one spiritual gift. Many have much more than that. And by the way, the Bible says that your gift is used for one purpose and one purpose alone. It's to build, it's the one big Greek word, oike domeo. It means to build up the body. Your gifts are not to be used in the pool hall. Your spiritual gifts are to be used in the body. You're, and the Bible says you're to build the body of Christ up. So God gifted you to build up the local church. That's why... Now, that's what we've been gifted. All of us have been gifted. But now for pastors, it's a little bit different. Now, look at your Bibles. You may have never paid attention to this. So it says in, in verse 11, so we know we're all gifted, been spiritual gifts. And that's true of a pastor, too, because you're given the spiritual gifts we've all been given. But pastors are a little bit different. Look what it says. And he gave. Now, to make a long story short, what you'll find is that not only is there spiritual gifts, but there's gifted men. This, God calls certain men and He gifts them. He gives them particular gifts. And then He gives those men to the local church. Does that make you with me? So there, <clears throat> He says, so God, it says, He gave. So He gave the apostles. He gave the prophets. He gave the evangelists. He gave the pastor teachers. He gave them to the church. So, so you have gifted men. So all of us have gifts, spiritual gifts, but then you have gifted men. 
men that have been called and gifted by God for the purpose of being, you know, the three words for the past. There's a pastor, teacher, same word, same synonym. Also it's called an overseer, same word, elder, same word, bishop, same word. Same, not the same word, but the same role. So there's three words that mean one person. So this person is a gift. He, God calls them and He gifts them to the church. So God gives the church gifted men. That's what He's saying. So He says, and He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, which is one person. Now why did He give? Why does He give? Why did He call Scott? Why did He call... Why did he call Scott into the ministry? Why did he call me in the ministry? Walter, why, Robbie, why does he call us in the ministry? Well, it tells us that in verse 12. Anybody in the ministry, whatever role they play, they'll spend the rest of their life doing this. This is what you do. You're an equipper. You look at what it says. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. This is what Christians do. And then this is what ministers do. We equip the saints. That's what we do. So Scott has confessed to us, and Scott has, Scott has demonstrated that he is an equipper, that he wants to be a, an equipper of the local church, and he feels God's call on him to do that. Now, just thinking about the word equip. You with me? Looking at your Bibles. Um, so, before I talk about the word, let me just say, this is, this is why ministers, those who are you know, called and are ministers in the body, um, pastors or associates or ministers of music, we don't, we're not supposed to do all the ministry, Right? We're supposed to be equippers to lead everybody to do the work of ministry. Did you see? We're equippers. Now, just if you take that word equip and, and you go to the root word, let, let me tell you some ways it's used in the Bible. The word equip, and this is my favorite, okay? I'll never forget this one. It's the same word for when Jesus was calling the disciples are calling the apostles or calling the disciples. When he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, some guys were fishing and others were on the shore. And remember what they were doing? They're mending their nets. It's the word translated in Mark 1, mending their nets. It's the word mend. So one of the things that a minister does is he helps mend the body. See, and that's one of the things that happens when we gather together as one body, one faith, one baptism, one Lord overall, is it mends the body. So, so if you mend the net when you gather together, guess what you can do with your net when you leave? You can go fishing, right? So that's what you do. You, you mend, so it's the idea of uh, mending nets. In Luke 6, Jesus is talking about, you know, the, a servant is not above his master, and, and he says, his goal as a servant is to be like his master. And if you're like your master, the, he says, you are fully trained. And that's another time this same word is used. So it means to be fully trained. So one of our goals in equipping the body is to be fully trained. And, and I'll be honest with you, that work is never done. And, and when you think about it, you feel so inferior as a minister. And I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. 
you see your weaknesses when you realize that as an equipper, I'm supposed to help the church be fully trained, or you might even say fully mature, and you realize how far away you are at, at any moment in time, your body is not as mature as it should be. But that's what God has called Scott to do. He's called Scott to be an equipper. So he says back in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The word work means exactly what you think it is. It's laborious. It's the word that means you're going to expel energy and you might even perspire. It, it might cost you something, some energy, some effort. So, so he equips. So pastors and teachers and those of us that are called, equip the saints for the work of ministry. And the word ministry there is that simple word servant. You're called to serve. Remember, you, know, you may remember this, but Peter talks about spiritual gifts. And, uh, but he breaks it down in just two big categories. In spiritual gifts, there's, he says there's two kinds. There's serving gifts and there's speaking gifts. Most everybody in here, do, do, no, most people in here feel like they don't have a speaking gift. They, they don't feel like they should be teaching a class or sharing, you know. But everybody in here has a serving gift. So all of us are to be servants. Well, the Bible says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the work, you could translate it for the work of service. So like a minister's going, the body, we all need to be working in the body. For the building up of the body of Christ. And then he talks about the measure till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Look what he says, to the full measure, basically, of the stature of Christ. So our goal for you is, is for you to be like Christ. Now think about it, the church in the world, this church and his church in Opelika, which is Opelika or Auburn? Opelika. Pepperell is in Opelika. So Pepperell in Opelika, that church and our church and every true church is really Christ in the world because every local church makes up the body of Christ. So the church is really Christ in the world. And... Men have been called and gifted to oversee uh, that call. Let's look at one more verse. Go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. I won't go into reading the whole context, but I want you to go to verse, uh, verse 11 and 12. Now remember, Timothy is pastoring Ephesus. Paul wrote a letter to Ephesus. You know, we, So this is really the second letter that's eventually going to be circled and you know passed around the church at Ephesus but this is Timothy's the young pastor he's at Ephesus and Paul's just introducing himself and talking about Paul's talking about his personal call I'm not going to get into the whole context but he talks about the world you know how wicked the world is he gets into that you know around verse 7 and 8 and he talks about the call in accordance with the gospel verse 11 in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Paul uses a word that says, the Lord trusted me. He uses the word, had faith in. 
It's the same word for believing faith, as in faith of salvation. That he's saying the Lord had faith. He trusted me with his gospel. And that's what, that's what every minister's been given, a responsibility. God is trusting you with his gospel. Then he says in verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful. And then Paul just says, appointing me to his service. You know, and so that's what the church does. Is the church um, appoint, we're affirming his appointment into the ministry. Scott, you and, you and Amanda come and, and I'm going to ask you to sit and Amanda to stand. And uh, I know Amanda wants to sing. I'm just kidding, Amanda. I had a, and this is your part now. We're going to take just two or three minutes. I've, I mentioned this to the deacons. You know, we're doing things a little different today. If you have a word of encouragement, a word of exhortation, a word of challenge, I would ask you to stand if you possibly can so we can hear you. But I, I want you to share with them. Just, you got a moment. We're going to take the time. If you want to share a word of exhortation or encouragement, you do that right now. Thank you. Really? I didn't remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Dale, somebody else. Come on now. Thank you, John. I've known Scott for several years. He's a good friend and a good Christian and a model for me. I certainly admire you and your willingness to follow God's call. And, and uh, you're just, a, in my opinion, almost a perfect example. And there's none of us are perfect, but you're not only that, but your family is so outstanding. And you're a wonderful wife. I, I don't think I've ever seen her ever since she wasn't smiling. Thank you, John. Thank you, Ken.
Thank you, Ken. Somebody else now. Just another minute or two. Thank you, Zach. I remember Well, amen. That's almost biblical, Zach. It's <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? Hi. That's awesome, Christine. I think there's somebody that went through Awana with us. That's, that's incredible. And all that scripture memor, memorization. A lot of vests and pens. I forgot what all we did do, but we still got buckets of it somewhere in the building. But anyway, somebody else. One, one last one. Oh. Thank you, Gail. What a blessing. Wow. An inspiration for me. To think what y'all love children so much. Leading them to God. And I just wish you all those blessings in your ministry. Now normally all the ordained people would line up, but we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to all, that are ordained, we're going to all surround Scott and we're going to kind of symbolically lay hands on him all together and pray together at, at one time. So if you're ordained, I'm going to invite you to join me down front and, uh, and then after we do this, come on, after we do this, then we'll give him his certificate and some gifts and things like that. So let's all come and get, gather around this sweet couple. One of the things Scott has been mentioning to me is I know he's getting to teach some and at his church, and that is time-consuming. It, those of you that teach Sunday school, it takes time. When you teach and preach in front of the people from the pulpit, so to speak, it's time-consuming, and uh, it's a huge task. And so that's one of the things Scott enjoys doing. He loves to study God's Word, and I'm so excited about that, a love for God's Word. That's where it starts, isn't it? That's awesome. So we know that's how God's going to bless his ministry. As he leads the music, then one day maybe he'll be leading a congregation. Who, who knows, you know? So we want to pray. I'm going to ask Mike Cohn to kind of voice all of our prayers together. So let's pray and ask God's blessing as God ordains. We affirm that ordination on Scott and Amanda. Father, we gather as a church and as fellow brothers and sisters, Father, to help charge Scott and his family with a tremendous responsibility, Father, to, to take your word out into the world, Father, to share it with others, and Father, as we, as we 
as we pray your blessing on him, Father, we also pray a uh, blessing on those that he will encounter. Father, mm. we pray that you'd give him the unique and special wisdom that, that's required to to discern your word and to share your word, Father, and, and to, Zach put it beautifully, Father, to pray that we would remove our flesh from all the things that have to do with your word. Mm. So, Father, we ask you to impart that wisdom, that desire, that need into Scott and his family to, to share that word without the flesh, Father, just your word, just your spirit to guide us. Father, the church, we pledge to support him. Mm. Father, when he reaches out and he needs a hand, Father, the church, we, we pledge to, to, to be that hand, uh, to be that eye, Father, to be that tool that he may need at any particular time. And Father, I pray for his church that as, as he goes and he leads those uh, individuals, Father, that they would make that same prayer. Father, be with uh, uh, this ministry, this new ministry, mm. the new ministry, Father, you would birth something new into the world. Uh. Guys, thank y'all so much. Y'all can be seated. Thank you so much, guys. You can stand up, Scott. Well, we have... Um, there, there's your little questionnaire. You can keep on to that. Okay. We have... And here's his ordination certificate. And, and uh, there is a reason why you do this. The church has affirmed it, right? And uh, these four men that are signed on here, there's five places, and I've left a place for Brother Mike to be the fifth signature, and uh, we gave you two copies just in case some of us messed up our signature. So, but anyway, so here, and it's just, you know, it just says this, this certificate of organization certifies that Scott uh, David D Demick was, was ordained into the ministry on this date, March the 6th, 2022. So there's that. And then, I'm not giving you MacArthur Study Bible, but... I am giving you uh, a MacArthur book that's about shepherds, about, about being an overseer, giving you a, a new Bible, a new ESV uh, a reference Bible. I use that one to preach. And then I'm giving you this small book. This is a systematic theology book. And anybody knows anything about systemic, systematic theology, this has every conceivable doctrine that's in the Bible, and it studies it systematically from front to back. And uh, we'll have a quiz on this in a couple of weeks. And so, so now, do you want to? I'll hold all that for you. Do you want to take a? Do you want to take a, a a minute and just a minute? Because uh, people are really funny about my time, you know, and they they'll let you take as long as you want, but they'll 
But anyway, just share a word and, and we, what, what you're thinking. What's on your mind? Well, thank you so much. God is good. And it is so good to be in the Lord's house. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Amen. And I just pray and, and thank the church that y'all will uh, walk with us and, and be uh, a house of the Lord here that we can always come back to. Uh, a scripture that always comes to me, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm. And so just a reminder to everyone here that we're all workers. And look to your right and your left, and, and we all work together as part of the body. Go out and tell somebody about Jesus this week. Time's getting short, and we've got to get out there and work because the harvest is plentiful. Mm, you're right. So thank you all. Thanks. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the two of you to go into the foyer. I know people want to stop by and speak a word to you. Let's stand together. And they're going to be in the foyer if you want to stop by and hug their neck and shake their hand. And uh, God's good, amen? Uh, you know, there's several passages in the Bible. They all apply to all of us. Um, but sometimes they're specifically to preachers or, or ordained men. And one is what Jesus said to Peter. This is the fishing scene after the resurrection. And Peter had fished. He went back to his old way of life. He was a fisherman. And remember, Jesus shows up. And so Peter had kind of symbolically kind of left the apostolic call for a minute, all confused. And Jesus says, remember, he called Peter to be a fisher of men, right? But he says to Peter, have you called any fish? Can I ask you, did Peter catch any fish that night? What was Peter's answer? We hadn't caught a thing. And that's when Christ brought him to shore and restored him. So when we, I think about all of us that are, men, that are Christians, but then it's particularly those of us that are called, sometimes we step outside of God's will and there's no benefit to that. It's about God's word and it's about biblical obedience. Let's pray together. Thank you for being here this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And God, thank you for the call, the ministry of the gospel. Bless Scott and Amanda and their family in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.